if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And we roll onward into hour number two at eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the 19th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord 2020, such as it is. <laughs> yes, it is still a year of our Lord, as uh, painful as 2020 has been. And it's only getting worse, quite frankly. We, uh, you know, we're steamrolling toward the end of the year. That cannot come fast enough, but I guess we should be careful what we wish for because the portent of the new year could bring even more destruction and misery for many. And that would, of course, coincide with the uh, beginning of a Biden-Harris presidency that is going to fundamentally change the United States of America, a nation built on liberty, founded upon freedom and the ability for all to achieve. It is all going to be upset as we are forced into some sort of a socialist model and people who opposed it are punished for it. Now, how will we know who to, is to be punished? You just have to check the list. They're keeping a list. And that's what we're going to talk about now with Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper wrote about this for the Washington Times this past weekend. Dr. Piper is a columnist for the Times, a best-selling author. He is a radio, radio host in Oklahoma, and he's a past university president. And more importantly, he's our regular Thursday guest on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Doctor. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's always Bob. Is it a badge of honor to be included on the list that they're creating, Dr. Piper? Well, I would argue it is. Um, <laughs> but the, the list is real. You know, it's it's not hypothetical. It is not hyperbolic to claim that there's a list. They're admitting it. They're saying that they are keeping a list. You know, I, you know my article, I start out with a mea culpa, where I admit that I posted fake news and I was a little embarrassed by it. I posted a quote that was attributed to Kamala Harris in April 30, 2020. And the quote is this. And once he's gone and we have gained our rightful place in the White House, look out if you supported him and endorsed his actions because we will be coming for you next. You will feel the vengeance of a nation. No stone will be left unturned as we seek you out in every corner, for it is you who have betrayed us. Close quote. Well, I found out that that was fake news, and that was actually attributed to a satirical piece written in 2019. But the rest of my article goes on to explain, why did I post this without fact-checking at first? Well, frankly, it's because this fake quote from Harris is so close, is so close to the real quotes that have been verified 
by the host of Democrats and those on the political left, and I repeat myself, I'm being redundant there, that have been confirmed. And as you know, I go on in the article and I quote Jennifer Rubin from the Washington Post, who says any Republican now promoting rejection of an election or calling not to follow the will of the voters or making baseless allegations of fraud should never serve an office, join a corporate board, find a faculty position, or be accepted in polite society. We have a list. Close quote. And then you've got AOC, who says, is anyone archiving these Trump sycophants? Close quote. And then uh, Michael Simon from the Trump Accountability Project responds, yes, we are. Everyone. Close quote. And then you have Robert Reich. We've talked about this before. Former Labor Department Secretary for Clinton an advisor to Obama, who said this, when this nightmare is over, we need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It would name every official, politician, executive, whose greed and cowardice enabled this catastrophe. Another call for a list. Chris Hayes, NBC, MSNBC, says, the most humane and reasonable way for us to deal with all these people, if we survive this, is some kind of Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Close quote. I could go on and on. Keith Olbermann, his comment was awful. His comment was awful. And then you have Evan McMullen, the former CIA operative who was a 2016 independent candidate for the presidency. And many people probably even listening to your show, Bob, might have voted for him thinking he was the principled moral conservative. He said this. This is a direct quote from Evan McMullen. We should keep and publish a list of everyone who assists Trump's frivolous and dangerous attacks on this election, name and shame forever, close quote. We could go on and on and on. They are keeping a list. And why should you care? Because when Kamala Harris becomes president, will be about five minutes after the Democrats declare Joe Biden to be unfit to serve by virtue of his dementia, Kamala Harris will have a list. They're telling you they're keeping it. Dr. Everett Piper is our guest on AM 1420, The Answer. That list, you're a thousand percent right, and I cannot underscore it enough the way you are. It's real. This isn't hyperbolic. It's not uh, imaginary. It's not just, you know, we're making a point here. They really do want to keep a list of people that need to be punished. They need to be shamed. They need to be not hired. They need to be, as Oberman said, uh, chased off the stage like the maggots that they are, and we'll try to clean up after what they left. The, The next part of this is that those people aren't allowed to publicly fight back and clear their names and defend themselves. Unless they clear their names, they haven't even done anything illegal to clear their names for. But to defend the reasons why they supported the Trump policies, the reasons why they supported the lower taxes, the reasons why they supported the sovereignty, the reasons why they supported uh, ending uh, uh, costly wars, the reasons why, I mean, we can go on and on and on, all the fantastic things that Donald Trump did, the deregulation and so on and so forth. They can't even defend themselves because the other part of this story, Dr. Piper, and we're going to move on to it now because it blends in so perfectly with this, is that conservatives who are already being censored, banned, blocked, shadow banned from expressing their opinions on all of these things on social media, they are calling for worse. Now, Barack Obama... You pointed out, or at least you shared with me, uh, a quote that Barack Obama made in The Atlantic in which he called big tech the biggest threat to democracy. And he calls for, called for censorship. 
censorship of people who don't share the same ideas, censorship of people who might find themselves on that list, uh, and they don't share the same ideas they have. Then I'm going to throw into that before you respond at the uh, last, and there have been many of these ridiculously useless hearings, I'm afraid, uh, before the Senate Judiciary Committee just on uh, Tuesday, Chris Coons, Democratic Senator Chris Coons, as Republicans were ch- challenging Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuck- Zuckerberg, the overlords of Twitter and Facebook, respectively, on the shadow banning and the, all of the things I just described. Chris Coons came on and said, uh, yeah, we're concerned about this, too. We're concerned that you're not doing enough to censor or block, quote, misinformation on things like climate change or the election. Meaning anybody who disagrees with us is presenting misinformation, and we want you to do more to weed their comments out and take them off of social media. So I know that's a mouthful here, Dr. Piper, and I'll let you go for a while here to respond to all of that. But essentially, if you find yourself on the list and you want to fight back, you are going to be silenced. You will be on that list and you will remain on it until you receive proper punishment and you cannot defend yourself. Go ahead. Oh, it's true. It's true. I'm. I, it's already happening. I am banned from Facebook until December 29th. I don't know why. I don't know why. They don't explain why. They just give me a banner that says you're banned from sharing on any other group pages within the Facebook, uh, you know, uh, uh, oligarchy. Uh, you're banned from sharing on any other group pages until December 29th. I'm suffering censorship right now, and I don't even know why. Okay, so the censorship is real. It is happening. You've heard numerous stories where people have just left Facebook and Twitter altogether, and they've gone over to Parler because they're sick of it. They're just sick of it. What gives these people the right to tell us what to say and not to say? And they are censoring us. They are going to shut us down. And the irony in the President Obama, the Barack Obama quote, is that he is saying that big tech is the biggest threat to democracy. And then, in the same quote, he calls on government and big tech to work together to decide how to censor everybody. Oh, talk about inviting the fox into the chicken house. Big tech is the problem. So now government, oh, we trust you, and big tech are going to be the wizards that come up with the solution on telling all the rest of us what we can say and not say. This smacks of 1933 when Joseph Goebbels called upon students in Germany to burn books. This smacks of Mao in the Cultural Revolution, where he unleashed 11 million young people across China to do what? Burn books. This smacks of Pol Pot in the Khmer Rouge, where he called, Pol Pot called upon what? Young people to burn books. This is censorship to the max. It's the high-tech lynching, if you will. It's the high-tech burning of books, and anybody Anybody who has a contrary idea that makes these snowflake adolescents in Congress and elsewhere feel uncomfortable by challenging their faulty science, their fraudulent flat-earth morality, is damned to be silenced by the political left. I'm going to read uh, the quote from Obama here before the end of this segment. At the end of the day, we're going to have to find a combination of government regulation and corporate practices that address this because it's going to get worse. You give some of this already. If you can penetrate the crazy lies and conspiracy theories with just text, imagine what you can do when you make it look like you or me saying anything on video. We're pretty close to that now. 
he went on to say, the degree to which these companies are insisting they are more like a phone company than they are like the Atlantic, I do not think it uh, is tenable. They are making editorial choices whether they've burdened them in algorithms or not. And that, Dr. Piper, is why I want to focus on it again. That's what um, uh, I think it was Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, but it might have been Ted Cruz. I can't recall. For, I watched part of this, and it does start to blur, blur together. But um, they said to Jack Dorsey, you are making editorial decisions. You are the editor of the news source now, essentially, uh, as you make the decision on what can be said and what can't be said. And who elected him? First of all, who appointed him and who elected him? And how is that? Does that not come with the same responsibilities um, that that uh, mainstream media, that, that, you know, the New York Times, that, you know, CBS, that others do? If you are making editorial decisions, you are, in essence, you know, putting yourself as the arbiter, making yourself the arbiter of what can and cannot be said in public. And, and I'm going to follow this up real quick with Parler. You're on, are you on Parler yet, Dr. Piper? I am. I've got a real positive story there, but yes, I am. Okay. The, the, the CEO of, of Parler was on with uh, Tucker Carlson the other night, and Tucker Carlson said to him, you know, with what you're doing, which is not censoring anybody, and that's why conservatives are flocking to Parler. By not censoring anybody, you're setting yourself up, Tucker told uh, the CEO. He said, because when some nut job says something crazy on there, they're going to say, you have made your your website a host for extremists. And he said, you know, saying nutty, crazy things is not illegal in this country. In fact, it is defended by the Constitution. And it is not our job to determine what is nutty and what to one person that may not be nutty to another. And he essentially said, the goal of this is to allow the First Amendment to actually prevail. It is not illegal to say things that other people disagree with. Take it from there. Okay. Number one, a good lie always has a great measure of truth in it, or people don't pay attention. I'll repeat that. A good lie always has a good measure, a great measure of truth therein, or people won't pay attention and believe it. When Barack Obama says that the solution is big tech and government working together to solve this problem, he has a sleight-of-hand fallacy by saying well, look what these big tech companies are doing. They're editorializing. They're not uh, what they claim to be, and therefore government should respond and treat them like what they really have become. Well, that's true. Thank you, Barack Obama, for pointing that out. Facebook is editorializing. They are deciding what can be printed and what can't be printed. They are deciding what message they want to convey. It's not just a platform for free exchange of ideas any longer. Thank you, Barack Obama. That's true. But here's the lie. The solution isn't to invite the fox into the chicken house or into the hen house to solve the problem. That's a lie, and Barack Obama knows it. The solution isn't government largesse. The solution is do what's necessary legally to define Facebook and Twitter as what they have really become. Now to Parler. Parler mm-hmm. is an open exchange of ideas. They're not editorializing. And I don't have time before the break, but I can tell you a very positive story about going on Parler and how it really works, and that everybody listening right now should get on Parler. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm looking forward to your story. I like to hear positivity amidst all of this negativity. So we'll pick it up there after this short time out. Dr. Everett Piper right back with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, Dr. Everett Piper back with us on AM 1420. The answer has got a positive story about the social media app that is the fastest growing app. And I think of all apps, not just social media apps, 
It's the fastest growing downloaded app, I believe, on Apple and Google uh, on the phone on their phones uh, in America, and really has been since the election. Uh, because people are done. Conservatives in particular are tired of being banned and told that they're presenting misinformation when they disagree with somebody uh, in some left winger in, uh, in Silicon Valley. So we're all moving over to Parler. Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R. My handle is France Radio, as it used to be on the other ones. F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Dr. Everett Piper is there as well. Dr. Piper, you got a positive story about Parler. Let's hear it. Yeah, it's a, it's a story of people being hungry for the pursuit of truth. And it's not all conservatives on Parler. I mean, many of us have gone over there because we're sick of it. But true libertarians, uh, true libertarians like a Dave Rubin, for example, whom I disagree with on a lot of things, and he with me. I mean, Rubin is not uh, a moral conservative, if you will. But he agrees that the free and open exchange of ideas, the free and open exchange of ideas, a good, robust argument, leads people to truth. Truth will win. Okay, so here's the story on Parler. I was very hesitant to go over because I've worked for years in my small little social media world. I've worked for years to build up, oh, about uh, 10, 12,000 followers on Facebook and about 11,500 followers on Twitter. Now, that's not huge, but in my world, that took a lot of work to get there. And it's important for me to retain those followers if I'm going to communicate with people. So I thought going over to Parler is going to be a lost cause. I'll be dead for 10 years before I'd never approach those numbers again. But mm-hmm. because I was banned by Facebook, I switched over to Parler. Now, at first, my fears were uh, confirmed because I only acquired 400 followers. And I thought, this is worthless. This isn't going to work. Nobody's listening to me. I'm speaking in an echo chamber. And then I posted my article from the Washington Times that you and I just discussed. I posted that article on Parler and... Two million screen views later, I acquired 5,100 followers. Still not huge, wow. but one post, one post got me 5,100. So that's a testimony to everybody listening. Yes, you can be heard. The truth will win. People are hungry for it. They're sick of the lies. These moral flat earthers on the left are the ones that are science deniers <laughs> because they want to silence an open debate, and a pursuit of truth. Parler allows your ideas to be expressed. 5,100 followers now because of one column. That is phenomenal, and and I, that's only going to continue because some people still don't know about it, which is why I wanted to bring it up here. Uh, what's your handle on Parler so people can follow you? Same as uh, everywhere else. It's Dr. Everett Piper, so it's D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R, Dr. Everett Piper. Yeah, I, I want more and more people to get there because what I'm hopeful of is that, you know, people who have not been engaged in social media, it's one thing to get them to flip the way you did and the way I am. But there are a lot of people in my audience who don't do social media at all. And, and part of the reason is some of the things that we have been discussing. And I want them to feel safe. If you would like to hear more from Dr. Piper, hear more of his thoughts, not just his columns. You can click on WashingtonTimes.com and read those. But his thoughts and other people like me and so forth, if you want to engage and get into back and forth discussions, by all means, I encourage you. We are incur- I, am, I am supporting, and I'm not being paid to do this. It's not a commercial. But I'm supporting Parler because I support f- the First Amendment. I support free speech speech. And if they are providing all of us, Dr. Piper, with a place to speak out without being censored, without being, uh, you know, uh, challenged, without being uh, challenging is okay, but you understand the point. 
not being banned or shadow banned or suspended, et cetera, uh, then by all means, I want more and more people to do that. This is what we need. I'll give you the last 30 seconds. Well, again, let, let's, let, let's end on a positive. The truth will win. Jesus told us that the truth shall set us free. One more time. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. Conservatives should wave the banner of truth. Don't be threatened by people that disagree. Don't be threatened by the left, by the progressives. Speak the truth, speak it boldly, speak it with confidence, and 5,100 followers later, you'll recognize, hey, somebody was listening to me after all, because the truth will win. Outstanding. Dr. Piper, so good to hear from you. Thank you so very much. I always appreciate the opportunity to talk, and we'll do it again next week. Hey, blessings. Bye-bye. That's Dr. Everett Piper. Follow him on Parlor, as you heard, at Dr. Everett Piper. No punctuation. Dr. Everett Piper on Parlor. And we'll be back after the news. Okay, 1037. Thanks for being with us. We've had guests most of the day today. Uh, I do have opportunities for you now. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. minutes of Outstanding Awesome left. Let's contribute to that awesomeness, would you please? Um, I hit the top of the show, or started the show, rather, <clears throat> by hitting some very important issues regarding race in this country and about how anti-white racism is the only racism that is systemic in the United States. You understand what I mean by that? Government agencies, government systems, including the educational system, are literally anti-white racist. And we have to call it anti-white racism. Don't call it reverse racism. A lot of people get you know, caught in that trap. There's no such thing as reverse racism. It's just racism. And it's racism again. There is racism against blacks. There are, there is racism against whites. There is racism against Latinos or Hispanics. There is racism against Jews. There is racism against a lot of other ethnicities. <clears throat> one of these is one of the stories I didn't get to uh, regarding this in the first uh, half hour of the program. I want to share with you now. The narrative in America for those looking to change this country, that's what Chuck Schumer said. We're going to take Georgia and then we're going to change America, right? Isn't that what he said? We're going to take Georgia and we are going to then change America. I might even have that. Yeah, now we take Georgia, and then we change America. And, of course, America, according to the left, has to be changed because America is evil, because America is unfair, because of America's inequities or inequalities. We have to change America. And part of the narrative of those inequities and inequalities is that if you are a person of color in this country, you, you don't have a shot, man. If you're a person of color... You can't make it because of systemic racism against persons of color, right? People of color. Systemic racism stops black children, brown children, Native American children. It stops people of color from succeeding. In other words, non-whites. And that narrative cannot be challenged. That narrative cannot be disproven, except for when it has been. And it has been disproven by Asian people. 
You see, the left wants you to think that if you are a person of color, you can't make it here because of racism and because of um, social injustice. But then along come the Asians achieving at extraordinary levels. Asians don't seem to suffer the way that some of the other um, ethnicities or races in the quote-unquote POC, the people of color movement, Asians don't seem to suffer because Asians, well, quite frankly, they do it differently. They come to school not speaking English and yet crank out A's. They come to school in America not knowing anything about our culture, a far, far different culture to them than, for example, let's say Spanish speakers who come to this country. English from Chinese, and I'm not a linguistic expert in this regard, but I have to believe that learning English from speaking Chinese or Japanese or Vietnamese or Korean or any of the other Asian countries in which we have a lot of people in this country from, Learning English from one of those languages, I have to believe, is extraordinarily more, more uh, difficult than learning English from Spanish. As a matter of fact, learning the other way around is probably the same thing. That's why uh, the overwhelming majority of students in schools across America who take foreign languages take Spanish. rather than. And then the, I think next is French and then German. I don't think anywhere will you find Mandarin on that list. It's really hard. And yet they come here. And they kill it. And so they're killing the narrative. They're killing the story that people of color can't succeed in America. Those Asians are ruining it for everybody. So what do the left or what does the left have to do in response? They have to declare Asians are no longer persons of color. Asians are white. Wait, what? Yes. Asians are are now white. At least it has begun in one Washington school district. They have removed Asians from a category denoting people of color in their report discussing opportunity and performance. Asians now have to be lumped with the whites because they achieve well. Never mind the fact that a person from China is no more similar in terms of ethnic um, qualifications or ethnic identification than a white, uh, you know, Euro American is than an African American is. Asian, they're basically saying that Asians don't have an identity. They're white as far as we see them. North Thurston Public Schools lumped Asian and white students together because they achieve at a higher rate. Asians used to be considered in minority groups, as a minority group, because there aren't as many Asians, of course, as there are whites. Asians were considered people of color, minority groups that included black, Hispanic, Native American, Pacific Islander, and multiracial students, right? But because Asians were ruining the narrative that they can't succeed, that people of color can't succeed in this systemically racist country, they had to be booted from the minority groups, Now they're white. Now, I won't even pretend to be able to express the outrage that an Asian American must feel right now. But it's got to be pretty big. 
They are being told that they no longer have their own identities. They're just white people with different colored skin and different colored hair and different colored or different uh, 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 physical qualities. Uh, They're just white people. That's it. Asians are white people because Asians are disproving the myth that America is fundamentally set against people of color. What's the real reason Asians succeed in this country despite so many of them coming here and not speaking a very difficult language? What's the real reason? You know it. You just don't want to say it because you don't want to be accused of racism against a different race. The difference is their family structure. Asians generally, not 100%, but Asians, generally speaking, are well known for their extraordinarily devoted family structure. A mother and a father raising their children in extraordinarily disciplined ways, going to school all of the time, studying as many hours out of school as they spend in the school. We all know that in many foreign countries, many Asian countries rather, The students go to school for 10 to 12 hours a day, not the seven that ours go, and they go to school 12 months a year, not the nine that we go. And they go to school for over 300 days a year, not the 180 that we do. They're dedicated to learning, and their parents make sure that they study. Their parents make sure that they spend the time they have to to succeed. How else do you think such a massive population of Asian students can come to the United States and get A's while English-speaking, their English-speaking counterparts, many of them white, many of them uh, uh, people of color, can't come close to it because they do it differently. Not because they're white. Because Asians are not white. I would be so insulted if I was an Asian person being told, you don't have an identity, you're just with the whites. You're not a person of color, you're a white person. Compare that to many of the people of color in the homes in which they grew up. This is what Larry Elder has been talking about for decades. This is what Candace Owens has begun talking about, another uh, uh, very prominent African-American voice that the family structure for, structure for the African-American community is very, very different. There isn't a mother and a father in the home in most cases. As a matter of fact, 75% of black children are born to single-parent households. They're raised without a dominant male role model slash disciplinarian slash father figure that makes them go to school, makes them study, makes them do their regular homework, let alone seven hours of it the way the Asian families do. That just doesn't exist. The reality is that Asians are a minority group, just as blacks, just as Hispanics, just as Native Americans, just as Pacific Islanders and the rest of them. But they have been booted from the group of minorities because they're just too damn good. And that ruins our story that minorities are mistreated and cannot succeed in the United States. So we have to make Asians into white people. Where does it stop? Where does it stop? Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Nick, in Independence, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Go right ahead. Yeah. Hi, Bob. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hello. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah, I hear I you. To... Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Oh, okay. Are you on a speakerphone? Uh, Are you on a speakerphone? Yeah, you got to get off the speakerphone. 
Yeah, hello? Okay. Okay, go so ahead. So I, I just wanted to comment on, the, um, on Facebook. Uh, one argument that I don't hear is that if they're acting as publishers, then they fall under the um, copyright laws. And in the case of copyright laws, then the users on Facebook are, in fact, authors of their posting. So Facebook, then, is liable to these authors for royalties to be paid. So if they're acting as uh, publishers, uh, they're, in fact, you know, putting themselves in the position where they become liable to royalties. I would probably I would probably disagree with that as much as I'd like to agree with you because it would put them in a bind. But um, what I would compare the users on their published pages, if you will, just to follow your your you know your analogy there, I would compare them to letter writers to the editor. No royalties are paid to a person who writes a letter to the Cleveland Plain Dealer to put in their opinion page. Um, nobody's paid a royalty really even to write an op-ed that they want to uh, put in to advance uh, uh, some information or whatever. Op-ed writers aren't paid either. So I, I, if I were in a court and they were to bring this to me like you are and saying, you owe me royalties, I think a judge would say, uh, did you get a royalty the last time you wrote a letter to the Lorraine Morning Journal or the uh, Lake County News Herald? No. Well, you don't get one for this either. I think that's probably what would happen. Well. Okay, I mean, it's just something that um, seems to me um, that uh, they're just more than letter writers. I mean, they are without without them, Facebook would not exist. That's not true of a newspaper. <clears throat> that is very true, okay. but um, but here, you know, the the thing is, and I like outside the box thinking, by the way, uh, Nick. So I I respect what you're saying. I'm just trying to look at it again from from the legal perspective and and what the defense would be. And I think, again, they would say we did not enter into an independent contractor agreement with all of these people. They have voluntarily created accounts and voluntarily. And in fact, you know, when you uh, create a Facebook account, I haven't read it because nobody reads the fine print. Nobody reads the paragraphs and paragraphs of legal mumbo jumbo <laughs> before you click agree and accept you know to create your account but i would very very i would probably wager a substantial amount of money without even having seen it that there is probably language in that agreement before you create your account and push i agree that says by the way you know you don't get paid for this in some words or another it would probably be that. right right but my Le- argument there <clears throat> would be that that agreement is based on us 230 where they're not publishers so, so that's where my argument would... Fair, 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 I fair enough. Sue, I, yeah. did sue, I did sue Facebook a few months ago uh, for uh, knocking me off and uh, editing my posts. And, you know, in federal court, I sued them. And uh, it, the case was dismissed not because of its merits, and they took it seriously because they didn't dismiss it as a frivolous suit. It, wasn't, it was dismissed on the basis of jurisdiction. You know, because I had to sue them in California, because that's where they are. Right. That's why the case was dismissed. But I appealed that dismissal based on the case of uh, uh, South Dakota versus Wayside Furniture. Which um, that was well. Uh, let, let, let me let me jump in here. Uh, let me jump in here, Nick, because I've I've got to get to some other people, and I've also got to take a break. And I thank you for the phone call. But I will say this to maybe um, uh, lift your spirits. Somebody with a little bit more prominence has filed a lawsuit against Facebook, Candace Owens. 
I've talked about her in the last segment. Candace Owens has filed a lawsuit against Facebook fact checkers for defamation, uh, saying that she is sick of censorship. It's time to fact check the fact checkers. She said, I am sick of the censorship. It is wrong. It is disgusting. So she's not suing for payment for her work for writing things on Facebook, but she is suing so that Facebook will stop the censorship. And if they are to be acting, as you say, a publisher or a news source that they have to be, uh, they have to do so within the regulations of fairness that others have to do and they have to provide equal access. So she has filed a civil lawsuit. 52-page complaint uh, uh, has uh, Candace Owens saying that the fact-checkers that are limiting her reach, the information she shares, condemning it as being misleading and, and, uh, and uh, fake news, if you will, all of these things, she's saying that they cannot do. And, uh, of course, I know there are millions of conservatives cheering on Candace Owens as she works her way through that process, and we'll update you on it as it goes. 10.52, quick time out, right back with a couple more on AM 1420 The End. Ten fifty-seven. Final segment is a short one. Let's squeeze in a couple of phone calls. Jim is calling us from. It says PA, but that can't mean Pennsylvania, can it? Well, maybe it does. Jim from Pennsylvania. It also says that you are a second-generation Chinese American. Hey, Jim, how are you? Hey, I'm very, very good. By the way, I hate the uh, posture, or not the posture, the hyphenated Chinese American. Yeah, I'm American. Just <laughs> happen to be a Chinese descent. Uh, so thank you for that. Okay. And, and indeed, I love that, I, by the way, because you're a thousand percent right. I hate the hyphenation, too. Uh, but it is, again, what so many use to identify themselves. So sometimes we get caught up in it. But anyway, what are your thoughts on uh, the story that I just gave, if that's what you called about? Exactly. Thank you. By the way, I'm a native Clevelander in Lancaster, Pennsylvania these days. Uh, obviously, I agree with you with respect to Asians. But I think for those who would refute that claim, I would assert that, sure, there's a normal distribution of any race, any background, right? And I will assert that perhaps for Asians, at the higher end, you may have more as a percentage, but you're certainly going to have some in the middle, and then you probably will have some in the trailing end as well, but not nearly as, say, poor as some of the others. And part of it is that sort of tiger mom culture that we hear. I would hope that that's not the case for all Asians. Uh, but I will say that in my own background, I recall that education was so important that uh, my dad, when I was in the second grade, I came home with a report card, and we were crossing the street going home, and he read that there was a C, one C on my report card. And uh, he stopped in the middle of the street, and he said, I never want to see anything less than a B again on your report card. Um, wow. That was a pivotal moment <laughs> in my life. Um, I'm glad to hear that end of the story, though, because I thought you were going to say push you in front of a car because you had a C uh, (laughs) as you were in the middle of the street. That would have been another one. I'd never get a C again. Hey, Jim, Jim, can you do me a favor? Jim, do me a favor, my friend, uh, if you can. uh, uh, And I don't know how often you're able to listen from Lancaster, but try to call me back tomorrow. I'm out of time today, and I do appreciate your call. Uh, And I would love to hear more about your your culture, you know, your father's culture. You know, you said your second generation Chinese descent. So I would love to hear more about that as it relates to that story. But we're out of time for now. So everybody else on hold, I apologize. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Free For All Friday. Bye-bye.